A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. Hey, everybody. It's Elle Wolf, host of the Further Podcast, and I'm super excited to be joined today by Adam Jaswero. Adam is the founder and creative director of Image Conscious Studios, a branding and design firm located in Boston. Adam and I go way back, and this is a really fun discussion about how marketers can engage in meaningful ways with their agency partners and really how to get the best uh, creative work you can by partnering with an agency. So looking forward to this conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, so I'm super excited to have Adam Jaswara with me today. He is the founder of Image Conscious Studios. And Adam and I go back a long, long time. I actually think we go back 20 years, which is terrifying, right? 20 years? Yeah, Yeah. that's Yeah, so about 20 years ago, Adam was working at some scrappy little startup and met my current husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. And we, our lives intersected in many ways. We ended up living in the same building for a long time. We bought condos in the same building. It was like, like, yeah, like Melrose Place or something. (laughs) And I have actually been a client of Adam's at various times in my career as a marketer using his agency to do lots of cool creative stuff. So I'm super excited to have you here. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me, y'all. I'm excited to be here. No problem. So, like, I'm always curious. I'm always interested in people's origin stories, like how they get started. You now, today, run your own agency. At one point, you were a designer out there doing design work. So talk about your path to, like, becoming the owner of an agency and what that's been like. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a long sort of meandering path. And yeah, I was an art school kid, never really sought out to start my own business, was never really on my radar. But yeah, out of school, kind of pivoted quickly into digital design. It was right around that time where web was sort of the hot new thing, you know, and it wasn't really thought of as an important part of any brand or marketing, but it was almost like the shiny new little toy to play with. So I kind of started to kind of self-teach myself on web got some jobs at startups, or we called them dot-coms. Back then, <laughs> back then dot-coms. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and that is where I met Dana. My husband, yeah. Yeah, we were doing, it wasn't even UI, it was GUI at the mm-hmm. time, right? Or GUI. <laughs> Coding and doing stuff that I was like, not even really qualified to do at the time, but like learned at school hard knocks. And then, you know, that's, that's, how, that's how we all get our start, doing things we're not really qualified to exactly. do. It's like the exactly. key to success. Fake it. Yeah. People are like, oh, you went to art school, you understand design. I was like, sure. <laughs> but anyway, you know, so that was fun. Learned a ton. And then you know, the dot com thing kind of bust. So then I had a period of time where I was kind of moving around between different in-house teams and agencies. So doing being kind of a cog in the agency wheel, doing anything from brand work, logo work, coding to flash work. At the time, flash mm-hmm. was pretty, was flash. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I remember that. 
you know, and that was great. And I learned a ton, but it wasn't, I definitely started to realize I didn't really love being a cog in the agency machine because I was doing some bigger stuff at like, like Digitas, which is a big, big shop here in Boston. And what I started to do is build up like a network of freelancing gigs kind of on the side and sort of side hustled my way into where I had a bunch of clients built up and I was able to, I actually had a bit of a health scare that happened where I was just kind of burning the candle at both ends and was working full time and also a ton of freelance work. And it actually sort of took that to, I think, bring a moment of clarity to me of like, I've got to pick a lane here. I can't keep doing both. And uh, yeah, decided to sort of throw the dice and go in on like building that freelance work into an actual agency. So around that time, Beth, my wife and partner in the agency, I pulled her in reluctantly. I said, I need your help. You got to come in here and help me with this work. So for a while, she and I, then we realized why we need interns. So we started to bring interns in. Those interns became staff. It's kind of like how it went, you know? And and for a lot of that, I was still very much hands-on. I was still designing. It's really where like my heart is and what I want to be doing. But I have pivoted away from that to being more just creative director, really working on developing relationships with our clients, setting that creative vision, and then sort of trying to get out of the way just enough that I can let them do good work and then just keep us on rails as needed. That's what every good leader has to learn to do. And it's hard. It takes a lot of self-control to not want to get in there and do the stuff. So I fully get that. So that's super cool. So can you talk a little bit about Image Conscious, which I always have thought is such a great name. Talk a little bit about what you guys do as an agency, your sort of superpower, what you're special. You talked a lot about web work. I know you do a lot of web work. I know you have a pretty wide client base in terms of the types of clients you service. I'm curious, like what you guys think you're great at, what kind of design problems you think you're really best at solving? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's a great question. And, you know, we've really been pivoting recently on focusing on brand through like a digital lens, right? So people say like, oh, you have a web shop. And it's like, we do. And at the end of the day, probably our biggest output is our websites. But what I think where we really have a a sweet spot is developing people's brands through their website. So, you know, sometimes people come to us with a brand problem. Often they come to us with a web problem and we sort of unpack things. We realize you don't really have your, your house in order here on the brand side. And often that it's a client who is, you know, a lot of our clients are kind of in that startup stage. That could be anywhere from a couple years out to make 10 years plus where people are still kind of like operating sort of as a startup. They really haven't done a lot of the foundation work of their brand. Maybe they have a logo. Maybe they have a color they use. But we realize that they don't necessarily have really the foundation of what's the personality of the brand? What are we trying to say here? What is this really, you know, what is your why? I mean, I like to kind of lean on Simon Sinek's like brand target and like figuring out what your why is. So we'll go through that work with people in a very sort of like focused sprint kind of way and develop the sort of digital visual language while we're doing that. So those are the kind of problems we really love to solve. It's, you know, so it's not that we don't work with some bigger brands or more established brands, but we find that People come to us when they just, they're kind of ready to sort of level up. Maybe they've kind of bootstrapped things. They've kind of pieced things together and they're ready to like kind of get serious about it. And they realize that there's power in their brand, right? And so, but again, it's through that lens of web, you know, it's at the end of the day, that's really how people are experiencing brands nowadays. Even if you're a brick and mortar or more traditional company, like at the end of the day, you, that web presence has gone from a a nice to have to a must have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're either, you know, interfacing with the brand via that digital experience in terms of the website or the app that you use or I mean this is just the way the world is going and I think the best brands have really harnessed the digital experience to be the brand experience right and I think you're right like even brands that you experience in an offline sense if they don't have a strong online presence and that brand's not super super clear in that digital experience it's like the whole thing kind of gets squishy so that's a good place to be sitting so I want to talk 
talk about, this is like a little bit of a side tangent because I love brands and I love branding and I love the things that make them good brands. So this, again, this is, this doesn't have to have anything. It can be people that you've worked with, but I, I'm curious like about some brands that you love and I know you pretty well. So I'm like kind of excited to hear what you're going to say, but like, and it could be anything like B2B brands, B2C brands, but I, I'm curious, you know, what kind of brands you love and what you think they're doing creatively as a brand that is successful or effective. Mm, yeah. Well, there's sort of the brands that I, I myself am sort of like a brand loyal person, right? I mean, how many Volkswagens have I bought? Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, so, so, cause so I have to tell you this. I almost bought a Volkswagen this week and I was like, Adam will die if I buy a Volkswagen. I would have been so proud I of I bought you. a Subaru, so... Because I'm actually very, I'm very brand loyal to you guys, Subaru. You guys, um, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru? It's true. I mean, it, yeah, and I mean, it's a good as a tangent. I mean, I would have been very excited for you, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, even to say like they went through that sort of horrible scandal of yeah. you know diesel. And not, we were frankly yeah. part of that. We got affected by that. We actually got compensated very well for that. Yeah, I heard they actually really did like, but so that's an interesting point though. That's actually part of the brand and part of the brand promise and part of the identity was that when they got caught up in something that wasn't great, they made it right for people to try yeah. to keep that brand affinity intact. And I think that they did a good job with it. They did. They did. Yeah. And, you know, Beth, my wife, you know, she's less, has less loyalty to them. And she was a little bit more scorned by that. But I think the way they handled it, it warmed her up to it. And it just shows like what the power of like kind of that brand loyalty can do. Right. And at the end yeah. of the day, you know, I think that brand stands for something. Like for me, it's kind of like this sort of no frills, but fun and slightly sexy, but not too flashy kind of car experience. And it just feels right for me. And they always deliver on that for me. Yep. So to me, it's like such a consistent experience all the time that, you know, they're like a brand I really love. I'm trying to think of other stuff. I mean, you know, like I don't want to, there's always the typical like Apple and stuff. And Apple's just so almost like boring at this point. I think the way they rolled out Apple card is kind of interesting. I got an Apple card and I thought the way they rolled that out was actually pretty good and yep. very on brand, very consistent. Yep. I like Warby if you're thinking of more of a consumer brand yeah. and some, one that has to really, you know, they've got such an ecosystem of the click and border space, right? Like they have to think about the in-store and the digital and I've used them a lot in both and I always find them to be very consistent, very on brand. I mean, that's like I'm air quoting over here, but... No, but um, I know exactly what you mean <laughs> when, you're, when you say that. Like when I think about Warby, like I think of, you know, it's this sort of like nerdy but cool experience that yep. is like really it's designed to be super frictionless like right they're trying yep. to make it super easy it really is kind of that next wave of innovation around that brand experience that you have particularly because they got started really as a digital experience first yep. and you know so yeah I told I know exactly what you mean when you say that yeah. yeah and clearly whoever's running brand over there is just doing a fantastic job of ensuring that all those customer touch points are just yep. They're just super consistent and they understand the value of brand and it's beyond just like, well, their fonts are consistent. Like, of course, right? But the actual experience blends really beautifully between, you know, the glasses I'm wearing right now, I found them online and I wasn't able to do home try and I had to go in store and they just, they kind of like took that path and what could have been a real point of friction. Like, hey, you can't get these. Right. They just sort of like easily pointed me to where I could. They were yep. like ready for me when I got there. Like they yep. just made the whole thing feel awesome. Yep. You know, so I think, I think they're kind of doing it right. Yeah. You know? No, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, there's so many examples and it's like, you know, and it's sometimes I think brand is this like amorphous thing that's hard to really put your finger on. You're like, well, what is it? And I've always said, like, I really think it's like how you want people to think about you, like what you mm -hmm. want them to say when you say, you know, that like, I mean, the way that you just described Volkswagen is like a sort of all wraps it up in a bow. And I think that 
so much of that power in brand comes from clarity, which is what you talked about at the beginning and working with your clients on. Like sometimes, you know, and it's easy in the early days of a company to not have that clarity. And I think it's something you iterate on a lot. I know as, you know, having rebranded a company, it was really this tipping point where we really had to figure out like, what do we stand for? What is the experience we want someone to have here? And pieces of it were there. We just like had never really put it into words. But I think that the best brands really are unbelievably and unrelentingly clear about what they want someone to think when they think that brand, right? And then they take great pains to make sure it's felt in every single possible way, right? And some of those are these weird, like you just described, like their feelings and emotions or experiences you have, not even necessarily a thing you see or, uh, you know, gravitate towards. So, yeah. Absolutely. And that's right. And, you know, a lot of times where we come in is in those sort of like, you know, sort of formative years where, and it is, it is something that you need to iterate on. So what we want to do often is come in, like lay that foundation, but understand that like, this also can't necessarily be etched in stone either, right? There needs to be some amount of flex to this. But as a company matures and evolves, you know, that brand does need to start to solidify around something and you can't be everything to everybody as a cliche, right? But it's true. You get eventually, it's like, what do you stand for? Yep. Yep. You know, and it starts to become like, we almost want to think about like personifying that brand. Yeah, and, like, totally. Personality. Like, who is this person? Am well, I grabbing the- Apple did that very successfully and very explicitly. And it was it was so effective. It was yeah. so effective. You're like, oh, no, I want to be that guy. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Justin because Long. I want to be Justin Long. <laughs> Which is <laughs> ironic. And that's still, yeah, right. But yeah. that still kind of holds today, though, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's impressive. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. So like kind of taking that whole idea of like great brands and we just talked about the feelings and the emotive side or whatever, but like there is an element to every great brand of design Mm -hmm. and creative. And, you know, I wonder, like, I think it's so tough. Marketing in general is so subjective, but I wonder, do you think there are some like objective principles that determine when like something is good? (laughs) Like creatively when something's good. (laughs) You know, as a person who did study this, I would say, yes, there are certain formal truths that should hold. That being said, it is so hard to strip that subjectivity out of it. Like one of the exercises we do with any new client is this sort of visual gut check. And we will just flood them with different visual references and get them to react. And we'll do this across multiple stakeholders on a project. And you'd be amazed at how, you know, one brand that you're like, this thing is great. And people are like, I hate that. And, and then you get them to talk about it. And sometimes it's based on like more of a, like a baggage or a reaction they're having to that brand. But other times it's people will just look at that same color palette, that same visual, and they'll just be like, I just think it sucks, right? Yeah. So yep. while I think you could then argue the point of say, no, but it's formally correct and it's balanced and there's good asymmetry here and you could kind of like d- dive into that, it doesn't really matter because the emotional resonance is what really ends up coming through. So 
I guess it's kind of like there is, but at the end of the day, it's just so subjective and it's hard. Yeah, it totally is. I know. I know as a marketer, like I've been on the receiving end of the subjectivity where I'm in love with something and I think it's the most beautiful thing ever. And actually, this is a great example. You know, I really was in love with the logo that we finally landed on when we rebranded Path Factory, the company I used to work at. I mean, it was beautiful. I just thought it was beautiful. I thought everything about it was beautiful. And like, you know, me and like our creative director and like a couple people just fell in love with it. And then so many people were like, I don't get it. Like, it looks like a question mark or it's, and I was just like, Mm -hmm. oh, shut up. But it's like, but you have to kind of honor that subject. It's like, I get it. You just don't like it. Maybe it's not for you. Luckily, it's my decision. (laughs) I get I like, but like, I'm kind of curious about that. Like, because I think you guys probably have to deal with that kind of stuff a lot. Like you're dealing with lots of different types of businesses. I think sometimes you guys are probably talking to a business owner. Sometimes you're talking to somebody in marketing. I mean, like it is like, how do you navigate that sort of subject? How do you guide people to the good thing? Yeah, yeah. And sort of like, is that the hallmark of your sort of client relationship strategy? Is that the hardest part of managing client relationships or, or what else there is difficult to navigate when you're working with different types of businesses? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of what, you know, what we really try to do is in that sort of upfront work and that discovery work we do, we want to like really, what are the kind of like goals we can set here? Like what are the sort of like measurable goals we can set? A lot of what we do because where we really are kind of brand and creative, it's just ripe with that sort of subjectivity. We want to align us to actual goals. So even yep. if it is kind of squishy, like we want people to feel this way, it's still something we could sort of measure at the other end in terms of like, user testing and things like that. Yeah. So, in, you know, and in terms of like establishing personas and who is your audience, right? So a lot of times it's about getting that owner or that marketer out of their own head. And we're like, look, we understand you hate purple, <laughs> but this really works with the market you're trying to target. Yeah, and right. the audience, right? Yeah. So it, it's less about, I never really want to come in and educate somebody on like formal design good and bad because that's pretentious and nobody cares about that. But we will say, look, this is going to be effective for these goals that we set. This is going to resonate with the audience that we established. And then a lot of times we're asking them to kind of take a leap of faith in us and say, trust us. We've done this before. This is going to work. If it doesn't work, it's digital. Beautiful. We can sort of, we can revamp as we need to, you know? Yep. But a lot of times it's about bringing people out of that subjectivity into thinking about how is this going to help those business objectives that we all agreed on at the start of the project. Like, so what do you do in the case of like, no, so uh, this is a hard question because I mean, obviously you guys aren't going to design stuff that you hate or you think is ugly, but sometimes I assume you are inheriting the baggage that came before you, bad design decisions, bad branding, bad creative, whatever it is. Like, how do you approach doing work for a business and like trying to respect the work that's already been done when you're trying to like really drive creative innovation or you're like, you don't agree with a direction they've taken? Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Does it happen happen a lot? (laughs) It's, you know, I mean, fortunately it doesn't happen a ton, right? Because people are typically coming to us because maybe a new CMO or VP of marketing has come in and they've recognized the sort of inherent dumpster fire that they've been, that they are. <laughs> sure, to say it, you know. That yeah. <laughs> so this usually, you know, usually they're coming to us because they recognize that they have a problem. But that being said, there is often things where we do have to work within a brand style guide or we, they can say, look, you can develop this whole site, but the logo can't change. Ah. So we have to kind of build a beautiful visual language around what might be sort of an eyesore, but we're going to find ways to kind of like make it work. It's really about kind of like, yeah, we do try to respect what has been done before. If we really see something that's really problematic, we're going to bring it up like very 
very tastefully and respectfully, but sure. we are going to bring it up and say, look, this doesn't really align. A lot of times it is like sort of a legacy brand mark or yeah. face or something yep. that we just sort of have to work with. And a lot of times what happens is they'll see it sort of within the confines of the new the new site or whatever sort of like output we're creating. And they'll go like, you know what? It kind of sticks out. It's, it's jarring, sort of right? Jarring. right. Yeah. 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 So sometimes well, the work does the work for us. I yeah, guess. totally. I mean, I'm a big fan of like, and I, I've used this strategy a lot throughout my career. Like, let me, and actually, again, I keep going back to the rebranding of Path Factory, but you know, one of the ways that we kind of got to a new name was I thought like, if we found a great new name and everybody saw it, they would then have a hard time going back and being like, no, let's keep being Lookbook HQ. It was like, I, and I knew, right. you know, once we sort of hit on Path Factory, it was like everybody wanted to be that brand and it made it kind of easy to get everybody over over this big scary ledge of like, we're going to rebrand this company and change the name. It's terrifying. Let's do it anyway. And like, I'm a fan of that. And I'm a fan of, you know, I worked for a CMO who always talked about the concept of the architect's window. Like when an architect designs a building or, you know, designs something, they have to like put something like hideous in there so that the client can take something out and feel good about it. Be like, no, we're going to get rid of this thing. It's like, no, I knew that was the thing you were going to get rid of. And it's, I mean, like, I don't know. I think those, for me, having reported to a lot of co-founders, founders, CEOs, like having those kind of strategies for stakeholder management in my back pocket Mm. has helped me to get done the things that I thought we needed to do while still making people feel like they're having a lot of choices and input. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a definitely a delicate balancing act. Naming is really hard and we do that sometimes. That is where the people will really plant their flag and sometimes they don't want to change the name, but like maybe the founder does, but the people around them doesn't want to. And that's really tricky to manage. How was that like for you guys? It was, I mean, I've talked about this a whole bunch. Like I think that the key was number one, not committing to doing it. Like we liked the idea, but I felt like if we said, okay, we're going to rebrand, let's now get working on that. It would have been too hard. So instead we said, let's explore what a new name might be and let's see if we can find one we like and then we can commit to doing it. So that was a big part of it, I think. I mean, it is, look, I mean, I think I was dealing with a legacy brand name that, it wasn't that I, no one was super attached to it and everyone kind of felt like it should. But but you're afraid of what comes with that, right? Like you lose all the equity you had in that brand. You mm-hmm. have to explain to people that the thing that they knew was now this other thing. And there's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like, I don't think you sign up for rebranding a company like when you walk into one. And I think, you know, we worked with an agency on that project that did a good job of giving a lot of brand, na- like a lot of names, but also sort of like a lot of scope. Like here are names like this and here are names like this. And we think, you, you know, fit in this box. You might like right. these. Things. And I was smart enough to know that it couldn't be a consensus driven decision. Like you couldn't have 12 people weighing in. It was like three of us had to make the decision and just call it and do it. And also, you know, I know that no one can handle a hundred options. And like, I think the first round of names, we saw a hundred options. And so I got it down to like maybe 20 that we were looking at because I just Ooh. knew everyone would just get like, you know, yeah, that's a lot. Paralysis, exactly. It's like, yeah, I say this too. Like, I can't go to a restaurant with like a giant, like the Cheesecake Factory stresses me out. (laughs) Just just give me three choices and I'm I'm good. And I think most people are like that. Thanks for joining me today. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Adam. We're actually going to talk to him again in part two of my conversation with him. We're going to talk in more detail about working closely with your agency, getting the best sort of creative results and and how to be a, a strong agency partner. So hope you'll join me then. 